Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. And for me, you can see the light is shining in my face. It's actually 5 p.m. right now. That's because I'm on the West Coast Pacific. Yeah. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. So can you tell us a little bit, where are you? So I'm currently in Portland, Oregon. That's almost in the Northwest, Northwest of the United States. So almost all the way to the North. And I'm here for the wildlife program, the Young Leaders of the Americas Initiative. So I flew in over the week. Portland, Oregon. Yeah. So how, how, how do you travel from Suriname to Portland? I'm really interested. So for me, it was pretty straightforward. So we had my flight from Suriname, Paramaribo to Miami. So that's the standard route to yeah. uh, usually to Miami. More, more standard route. Yeah. And then I had a stop over from Miami to Dallas and then from Dallas straight up to Portland. Okay. But I think there's different routes because someone else uh, yeah. started the same, but ended up going a whole different route. The West Coast, the, the, the Panama road is quite interesting as well for the West, West Coast. Huh? Yeah. I, I saw like Houston, like a Houston, Dallas or like hubs. Through Latin, Latin America. Yeah, like, Latin America. Dallas, Dallas is like the main hub. Like almost everything goes through Dallas. Okay, but uh, today is a little bit of a different episode. As you can see from the title, we're going to focus on, on, on the bear market. And the reason why we, we do want to cover this, I mean, we I follow, at least I follow a lot of YouTube creators who are like financial advice creators like Andrew Yick, Graham North, these kind of... What's the second one? I, I'm not sure. Oh, Stephen Graham. Am I saying oh. correct? Gra yeah. Graham Stephen. Yeah, Graham Stephen, sorry. Graham Stephen. And Graham Stephen. And then especially Andrew Yick has been on a, I think a three-week straight bottom <laughs> approach. Like every, every, every video is about hitting rock bottom. I think he posted today about losing a billion dollars worth in, in stocks and, and crypto. Yeah, his portfolio basically vanished. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's completely vanished. And I think this is one of the things that I've spoken to this with friends, with, with fellow online entrepreneurs. And when I predicted the bear market last year, you were like, yeah, sure. So when's it going to happen? So when it was going to happen? So when's it going to happen? And. Then I was like, so guys, you should, might want to wait until Bitcoin drops under $30 before you buy. And you're like, yeah, it's not going to go under $30. It's not going to go under $30. And I was like, I'm not sure either, but if it happens, you should be prepared that that's going to happen. You, and, you know what the, the, the most dangerous phrase is in, in this situation yeah. when people start saying it's different yeah. this time, that, that is the most dangerous yeah. phrase. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, it's, it's totally different this time. And, and I, I have to be honest, I didn't expect it to drop to 20, 22,000 this quickly. I was anticipating more like an August kind of situation, which means that in August or at the end of the year, it could get even worse. Like there, there's two, but there's two minor things. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not just 
the, the, the crypto markets, you, you need to look at the whole fine. Well, when you zoom out at the bigger financial system, world system as a whole, it's not just the crypto market is down. It's like literally, literally everything from bonds to stocks to, I'm not sure about real estate, but like these financial yeah, there, instruments there, are, are, are all in the red. There, there is a real, real estate crisis coming as well. So, so let's, let's start with the real estate and I'll, I'll give you my perspective on this. So when COVID hit, it kind of forced people to reconsider their lifestyle, especially people that were living abroad. So a lot of people who kind of rent out spaces and live part of their life abroad due to COVID had to move back home. And all of a sudden, the lifestyle of, I can live in another country, is only for the people who have really made a complete mind shift, like, I'm going to live in another country and I'm not going back to my own country. But for people who are kind of trying to figure out if they could live in a home country, or in their home country or somewhere else, they went back to their home country, to their family. And all of a sudden, you're like, hmm, maybe this is a good time to buy a house. Also. I think something with the mortgage, market mortgage, and 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 the rent that you have to pay, the banks also played a major role. So I don't want to discredit that, but I think due to COVID, a lot of people who were kind of in between traveling had to decide, like, okay, I need a steady place, which make them also look for houses much easier. And the housing prices have gone up insanely. Like so, it's all also- yeah, point of reference or are you talking about locally in Suriname as well? No, I'm talking, I'm talking in, for instance, in the Netherlands, in the Netherlands, you, if you want to buy a proper house in a, in a proper area, you're talking about half a million euros. Euros. Yeah. Like it's insane. Like we, we wouldn't imagine like in, in Suriname paying a half a million euros for a house. And that's pretty small. It's, it's not even like, it's, it's just a nice yeah. house. It's not even like saying like, oh, I want a villa or something extremely exclusive. It's just having a house for your family to grow up in, two parents, two children. You're, you're talking about half a billion. That's what you're talking. If you don't want to live remote two hours away from everything. And that's the interesting part as well, because for that same price, or even for less, maybe even half of that price in France, in Italy, you can get like a complete castle for that. Yeah. Price. yeah. But there's nothing surrounding it. So it's like you're the upkeep of everything is just gonna cost you a lot and you're gonna have to drive an hour to the nearest. But, but even then relatively overall prices have gone up compared to like a year five years ago, right? Yeah. So Suriname is not a good example because Suriname, the prices just keep going up. Like the housing prices just keep going up. Like even if- Well, I, I, I can't yeah. really think of an example where it really went down. Oh yeah. Well, the, the housing, the housing market crashed in 2008, 2000. Yeah. yeah. Aside from that, but that was yeah. like art of, yeah, they are just over manipulated. Yeah, but that's, I mean, at a certain point, you're going to get to that point again, that people are like, wait, okay, but this is an insane price. I'm not going to pay this price. And it also matters whether or not people are financially stable enough 
to purchase it, but also financially stable enough to say, screw this, I'm just going to rent. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to live somewhere else where you don't pay a waiting. So Don, Don mentions an important thing as well. The oil prices, that's a, that's an interesting side note as due to the whole Russia, Ukraine situation, the oil prices, oil prices have gone up insanely, like really, really insanely as well. And that actually does benefit our local economy to a certain extent, because we heavily rely on oil as a main source of, of income. So from our state oil company, that's something that, that works in our favor. But then we also have the situation where the government wants to provide oil for a lower price than, yeah, for a, for a low price. And then you get in the situation where you have to decide if I export my oil, I can cash a lot more than if I do it for the local market. But you have the responsibility towards society, to, towards your society to keep the oil prices low. So that's also an interesting dilemma that you have to deal with if you're, if you're in the government at the moment. Well, but those prices are uh, separate, right? You have the, the pricing for local consumption and then you have... Yeah, but all the oil that you use for local consumption is oil you cannot sell abroad. Yeah, that, that, that's true. And we've had situations where, I mean, it's the same in Belgium and the Netherlands that people drive over to Belgium to pump their gas because it's much cheaper. But there are situations where people are just taking barrels of oil from Suriname and going across the border to sell it off there for a very, very large profit. Because compared to the European prices, oil in Suriname is cheap. It's like really cheap. For us, locally, it's expensive. But, and it keeps going up. But compared to the Euro prices and the US prices at the moment, oil is relatively cheap. So these are kind of things that also play a role, but more on a local level. Whereas internationally, the market is just insane. I, I couldn't, I can't find another word that is that insane. What I find interesting, and so far the price of Bitcoin after every halving has never dropped below the price. The previous all time high, right? The, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the question that we should ask now is, what is the actual previous all-time high of Bitcoin in the previous? Yeah, in the 2017-18 cycle, it was, in US dollar, it was, it just touched or barely touched 20,000. So we, we are at that resistance line now, so, basically. What happened? Act what happened? Actually, that's for Bitcoin, but Ethereum already dropped below its all previous all-time high. No, but Ethereum is a different story because in the last cycle, Ethereum was at 1500 and dropped all the way back to $80. Yeah. yeah. So for the altcoins, for the altcoins, it's not staying above the previous all-time high, but it's just not cr completely crashing back to the worst all-time low. That's so I'm, I'm not even looking at the alt altcoins. So if people ask me, are you buying Ethereum? I'm like, no, it, it can drop even. So you consider ETH part of the altcoins? I still consider ETH part right. of the altcoins. The, 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 the gold standard in, in, in the crypto world is just Bitcoin. Let's, let's not fool ourselves. And the main reason, the main reason why I consider ETH more volatile is 
the fact that there's a hard cap. Yeah, that is true until, yeah, yeah there's no hard cap, yeah. but there's also no very cap. much speculation going around the merge. Uh, yeah, but still, the, yeah, but you're still dealing with the fact that there is no real scarcity when it comes to Ethereum. Yeah. With, with Bitcoin, there is a scarcity that even like 20 years ago. There's a predictable endpoint. Yeah. There, there is like all billionaires in the world won't be able to have one Bitcoin when it, when it's all said and done. That perspective just makes it, makes it scarce and puts you in a situation that there's a scarcity factor there and which most altcoins just don't have. But, but for Bitcoin, the question now becomes what happens when for the first time in history, the price does drop below the previous all time. I won't dare. Is there going to be a very, very strong resistance? Is there, there, there is already a very strong resistance, but there's multiple things at play. But I think most big holders, especially Bitcoin, are actually stocking up now even more Bitcoin. Of course, and of course. I think just based on past performance of the all-time high, the resistance is going to be ridiculously strong. I think there might, if it does drop, might be through a flash crash or something being liquidated. But I do think that the, the at least the holders will keep on buying in to build up this resistance line. Even though the price dropped, one thing to consider is the amount of new wallets wallet or Bitcoin holders has increased over time. That has not decreased at all. Granted, several people have multiple wallets, but that has been a growing trend. But you get it into the mainstream issue here. So if you already know that both the US and China are the top 10 biggest Bitcoin owners in the world, and they continue to buy up. You, you get in a, you get in a certain situation, you get into a certain situation where the, the old money is going to buy into the new money and we're getting in the same problem. Some, some of the old money is already buying it, yeah. in, into Bitcoin. So that, 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 that's a fact. You cannot outpace the fact that people who already have money will not jump into a different asset to that diversify because everyone is scrambling now, even yeah. the, 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 the bigger, actually the people who are in cash positions right now are the most fortuitous, you know, most fortuitous positions. It's, it's like how, how much, how much depth does your wallet have to keep buying the dips? Because you know, whether you buy at 35, 30, 27, 25, 22, yeah. or even if you go lower, you know, at some point it's going to be 50 again. Yeah, but I think the mentality would, should be, you shouldn't care. The moment you put it in, you should write it off. You're, you're a dollar cost average kind of guy. Yeah. Right? But that, but that is the yeah. most safe, sane yeah. approach I could recommend for anybody. If you want to avoid the mental fatigue and stress of trying to time the highs and lows and get ultimately burned in the end. Yeah. But I see some more comments coming in. A shout out to Mario. 
Hey, oh, hey, Mario. Right. Thanks for joining. Uh, he's with me here in Portland. So oh, nice. I think he's downstairs right now. Okay. On, on Don saying like Ethereum has more options. Ethereum has many more options and much more use cases. But the problem is that doesn't mean that that's directly connected to the value of, yeah. of the system so itself. I, I also categorize Bitcoin and Ethereum very differently. It's not comparing an apple to an orange, basically. It's it basically comparing an apple to an orange is what I mean. So even though they're both of the, you know, in the crypto family, crypto space, they're both have separate, unique use cases, in my opinion. And that's how I approach them separately. It's not one or the other. It's just one and the other for me. So, and then the next question, SRDC launch, to be completely honest, it's, it's never, it's, it's very difficult to may one of the main reasons I haven't dived into a community with a coin or a token yet is how scared I am of whales just completely undercutting your, your I token. I don't even care about whales at this point. It's about what is it useful? Is it even, what's it used for? And especially oh. if it's being, depending on where you develop it on, we're, we're, we're talking about Ethereum here, about the use cases, uh, as Don mentioned, there's many options. And if I, if I'm not mistaken, CRDC is built on Ethereum. The, the, the contract is based, uh, built on Ethereum and the proposition with the current state of Ethereum does not make sense at all. Being high gas fees, high transaction fees, and I don't see any utility that it offers or a problem that it solves aside from, you know, you have a token. It's, it's a token. It's a, I, I don't understand why you would build it on Ethereum aside from legitimacy. I can't understand from a legitimacy perspective perspective that you don't want to do that from transaction perspective. I know there is a certain person that I won't call by his name, that his team was in Suriname actually, and met with the government, the name that should not, shall not be mentioned in the Hive community, actually uh, sent the team over to Suriname. I saw that article. I, I forgot to yeah. talk to you about it, but if yeah. they had to bring it up again. Yeah, from a, and and from it a tech perspective, too many questions. yeah, it, it's, it's very difficult. And that's, and that's the reason why I don't feel comfortable on this, because you have to be careful on which platform you build. Like Korea built on Luna and look what happened. So, and I mean, if you, if you look at the Luna use cases and how they wanted to integrate it into mainstream consumption it was beautiful yeah it, it was just beautiful but the the dream was enticing it was you know have this magically work the, the algorithm will fix it all yeah so so that's why you have to be careful like you have to have a lot of backing like this is just like people are less let's create our own token and then they don't start understand the economics behind how currencies work. So, so as soon as you just start a token or a cryptocurrency, but you have no sense of how macroeconomics work, 
a microeconomics work even, and you just started off, it's kind of, you're putting your own self out for disaster. Even if it works, throughout the years, you're going to have such catastrophic failures. And most importantly, people that trusted you and invested in your product and completely get wrecked because you cannot guarantee the stability of your token. So, so how do you feel about investors or venture capitalists or like early seed investors getting into these projects really early to, you know, they invest with the promise of whatever promise, getting more value out of it or being an early investor in said company. But then it opens up to the public only to create a. But that's the same with you know, capitalism, yeah. right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like it is the same with, with, with entrepreneurship and, and investing in a company just to get your money out of in the first, in the first three years. I mean, like as soon as you have a company that's promising the investors a certain and, 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 of investment, and that's the part as you go into the public, you go public with your IPO or whatever. And that's the that's part I find very dangerous. The, the, the moment I see at least big venture capital start to surround a project or something, I actually take a step back and look, wait a minute, this, this is, is it them surrounding it, getting in or, and then pumping it like really big, they, they have budget marketing, et cetera, to get the price up. And then when retailers start getting in, it's extra liquidity for them, even though they, they make me their X amounts and then whatever is left is just circulating, playing hot potato between retail investors. If there's no substance in the project, of course, or the token, it, that's yeah, most of the cases I see. I, and that's, that's the problem. There are too many tokens. There are too many cryptocurrencies. Like there are five to 20 companies trying to do the same thing. And that's, that's where it becomes like, and then you, you get into the, to the pedigree versus the non-pedigree. And you're also going to look at the teams and you're going to look like, is this a team that can actually make it work? Can they deliver up to that problem? In most cases, they can because in reality, we're, we're all in over our head. Like even the best, even the best ones are in over their head. Even, but even Mark Zuckerberg or Elon Musk are in over their head. Like, like it's, it's. it's yeah, we had, uh, was it Libre, Libra from 2018 from Facebook that they tried to introduce that has been scrapped completely. It's, it's still, it's, it's still like, and, and here's the thing. It's still the old way of thinking, like saying like, I'm the God and I'm going to make everything for everybody. But in reality, it's, it's the team surrounding that person that, that gets put into to the spotlight. It's not the person that gets put into the spotlight. Of course, you need certain characteristics to be able to be a Bill Gates or, or, or Elon Musk or Mark Zuckerberg, but it's not them who built this whole thing by themselves. Yeah. It's a team of people that build this thing by together. And it needs That's, to be used by people to actually be a good product or token or service or whatever it is, regardless of the, the promise it provides. There's a, there's an interesting perspective on this because I even want to go back to Nikola Tesla and, and Thomas Edison, where from a tech perspective, oh yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. this was Tesla's ingenious ideas that actually made things work. 
but it was Edison who was able to transform it to something mainstream. And that's, that's also been the case for Bill, for, for Bill Gates. Like there are a lot of people who came up with better ideas than Bill Gates, but Bill Gates was the person who actually was able to bring it mainstream. Like the fact that we had so many years of internet explorer and it was a terrible browser, but still people use this massively. And the fact that we now have Microsoft Edge and you look at Microsoft Edge and you're like, no, just no. And I, 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 in defense of Microsoft Edge, sidetracking here, Microsoft Edge now is actually a pretty good browser. Yeah, because it's now undervalued. Yeah. Now, but... now, now Google Chrome is overvalued in the sense that it's, it's just so mainstream, but the development of Chrome actually hasn't, isn't keeping up with the demand of what people want to use that browser for. Yeah, it, it's getting bloated, but it's still the the go-to just of because of the the adoption curve and the yeah. the population. So there's a very big difference between technological innovation and being able to make it mainstream. So you can have like brilliant ideas, but you're gonna have to be able to make it mainstream. So the actual cryptocurrencies that are gonna work are the cryptocurrencies that one actually have a technical backing that's good enough, is solid enough for it to work and not implode when it's needed most versus also having a team and people who are willing to get behind it and make it mainstream and look at ways how it can be mainstream. So I think that's, that's where we're stuck. Yeah. Uh, coming back to the, to the price action, basically, do you have what what are your views seeing how, okay, there's a couple of things playing now. So it's summer is starting in the, in the Northern Hemisphere and yeah. a lot of countries, US, Europe have been lifting travel restrictions, et cetera. So usually depending on investments, usually people take summers to, you know, travel, uh, visit, explore, and with the pressure from the past two years, I people think that's also adding, yeah, adding pressure to liquidation. So, so, so this, the next three months are very important because you have June, July, August. So that's why I feel August, there might be another 20% drop. I'm, I'm not saying, I'm not predicting this. This is not financial advice at any sort, but that's the reason why I figured there would be another drop come August. And then the, the, the final drop for this bear market, which I feel will come, will come in December when people are looking to buy Christmas gifts and those kind of things. And you're like, listen, let's just cash this out because, and, and those are the two, I'm thinking in 2023, as we move towards the next halving, things will start picking up again. Yeah. 2023 to into 2024. Yeah. Uh, it's, things will start start picking up again, and, and things to keep an eye on now is actually the 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 really active projects that are like undercover, but you actually see development and not necessarily pay attention to the price value, but that if you want to diversify at least. But if if you're not sure, etc., I'd say stick with what you know. If you don't know anything yet, experiment with what you can lose. 
like a very tidy amount just to get a hang of it. I think I think that's that's one of the things that's very underrated. Is like people really put too much money in. They just put too much too much money in, and it's, it becomes a greed factor. I can I can exactly know where this year I should have made a pass and stopped putting money in. I know exactly. Because Binance even gives you a warning saying like, listen, stay away from this coin. You're doing this at your own risk. I, I think I still have a screenshot somewhere of the, of the Binance notification that you get once you start getting into shady coins and, and altcoins that are not like properly. And people just click away the warning because they're like, yeah, listen, I don't care about that. But the funny thing is people click away that warning on the regular finance apps as well. So it's, it's nothing, nothing new, but getting to that point of investing or reinvesting now, because actually now between now and next year, it's actually quite ideal to get into certain parts of the crypto world. And I think also people are looking at altcoins now and thinking like, oh, this is cheap, but I do want to warn people that, especially for altcoins. You think you can buy something for cheap? Look at the supply. I think it's going to be the next Doge and multiply by 50. But as somebody who is not that in 2018 and still is holding on to those scrappy bags and saying like, even this wasn't worth it. The only guarantee that you have based on the Bitcoin having is that Bitcoin is one day going to be three times as much as it is now. You kind of, it's not a guarantee. Again, it's not financial advice, but at least with Bitcoin, you know, there's going to be a scarcity. There's going to be a greed factor in 2025. It's the price is going to rise again. Yeah. And on the flip side of that, don't think you're going to use that mentality. Look for a lower cap coin with exactly. a, a fixed cap and think, exactly. oh, this is going to inflate. Like, oh, the price is so much higher than Bitcoin. But if there's no velocity, it's, if it's not moving, then it's just artificially played. The, yeah. the best example I can give on this is Dash. Like Dash oh, used... oh, Dash hurt me so much. Yeah. So, so for, for people that are kind of new in the crypto space, in 2016, Dash was like the cryptocurrency for Latin America and smaller countries because it was quick. It wasn't that expensive to buy. There were local, there were even local payment systems. Like there were companies locally in, in South America that were accepting Dash as a payment currency. It, it, they had sessions, trade shows in different countries where people could go and get informed about Dash. Same with Litecoin, Dash. actually. With Litecoin. Yeah, no, Litecoin, like uh, for some reason, Litecoin had the international appeal and the online appeal saying like Litecoin is the faster Bitcoin, but Dash was really community driven. Like there were uh, like really people dressing up in Dash shirts and really going in, convincing the community and it's faster and everything. And the price never really went up in the last bull, bull run. Nope. It it just it just did it. It just it dropped. I, I don't I'm not even sure if it's in the top fifty anymore. Yeah. 
Like it, 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 it was a it, strong contender in the top 10 for a long while. It was a, it was a great it was a great cryptocurrency. It was one of the first the early thinkers of how do we utilize a cryptocurrency that actually people are going to use to make payments with and receive payments from. But for some reason, it when the the cycle came around, it, it's still top hundred. It's still somewhere there, but it never took the jump, the the multiplier by ten jump that other coins and newer coins came. And that's also something that. It's good to know because this cycle was, the past cycle was really about the swaps, the Uniswap, the Pancake Swap, all these FTX, all these newer forms of exchanges that somewhat made it easier to transition. And the, the previous cycle was really the ICOs, was really the initial coin offerings, like companies saying like, hey, I can't get an actual IPO. Because I'm not, my, my, my structure isn't strong enough to actually get the traditional investing in the traditional IPO. So I can do an initial coin offering instead of an initial public offering. Basically being the kind of the same thing, but more geared towards people in general who wanted to, to buy in. And the ICUs and ICOs really made the, the previous cycle strong. And this was more of a cycle that focused on the exchanges, making it easier to swap different coins and different tokens than it was before, which I still have doubts about because I still think fees, the fees were a little bit too high. When you're talking about the fees, are you talking about fees of the token transaction or yeah, the, fees the to get into the, the transaction uh, fees in general, both to get in and the actual fees of swapping on, 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 I, I mean, and like. Yeah. For, for swapping, you can't get around it because most of the stuff was built on Ethereum. Yeah. And that's when you had exactly. the, the Binance change, which is actually a ghost town right now. Because yeah. people still stuck to the premium. Because when you get cheaper and more accessibility, you get a lot of spam as well, right? Yeah. So that's a trade-off. And I think that's where Ethereum's strengths is, why it still shines, even though there's ridiculously high prices. because that high barrier of entry kind of shelters it from all that spam that's going around. So quickly jumping in on this. So there is a very big chance in the next boron that we will see a hundred thousand per Bitcoin, but I don't want to, I feel that part of that is also just going to be great. And happy. oh yeah. So we don't know what the actual word of one Bitcoin is going to be and it's going to end up being. And, and that's, that's the problem with, 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 that I have with Bitcoin is it's really, and that's why I'm wondering what happens if Bitcoin now drops to 18,000, like, are people really going to panic? Oh, because people, are, people, are, already, people are already panicked. Yeah. <laughs> if it drops the it, it's going to be the same song all over again. Yeah. Like, uh, so I think, I think what the biggest problem is with, with, with these things is scaling because I'm looking from it from an NFT perspective. So what most, what, what I did to kind of consolidate, because again, I, I kind of knew this was coming based on 2018. I didn't know when. So what I did is when Ethereum was around 3,000, 3,500,000, ,000, I cashed out most of my Ethereum and put them into 
NFT projects, which I feel that were closest to a stable coin. I didn't want to put it into a stable coin. I wanted to have something that I could play around with while the market was actually down. And so from that perspective, I've already walked because I cashed my Ethereum above 3000 and it's right now it's, it's close to a thousand, 1200. So from that perspective, I won, but the things that I invested in went down as well. Maybe not as hard. They didn't crash to 30. Did it crash to 30%? I, I think they crashed hard, hard, as hard as well. Most of it, the Ethereum NFTs. No, I stayed away from Ethereum NFTs. I, I really went into NFTs that were centralized. And the problem that, that both spaces have, both the crypto space and the Ethereum space, it's also based on the amount of new users coming in. So when you just have the same 100,000 people buying into a project and there's like nothing new coming around, that kind of becomes, becomes an issue, right? Because like it's the same people, the, the money isn't really circulating. It is and, circulating, and, I would say. And I really want to jump into yeah. this. Gregory, yes, it's, it's true. Timing doesn't matter if you dollar cost average. But here's the thing. Not everybody can dollar cost average. Not everybody is in a situation where you can put money aside every month. And that's also, that's also a discussion worth having. Yeah. Uh, my, my, my take on that, uh, based on your statement, when you say not everybody can put money aside every month, my take on that is then you should be investing. Then you should be focusing on income. Then you should but be focusing on work. You can focus on income in crypto as well. Yeah, true work. I think like, like, and that's why, and I'm a little bit upset with myself, but my focus I, is different. I, I, I want to emphasize that yeah. investing and crypto are not synonymous. You can work in crypto, but it doesn't necessarily have to mean that you invest in crypto yet, at least. But purely investing in crypto when you can't set money aside every month then I say, you are not invest, investor ready. Let's say that. No, no, that's, that's, that's true. So I think like, if you want to get into crypto, but you don't have the actual, the actual means of income to have a dollar cost average opportunity that you can sign, put aside money to invest in crypto every month, because that's where it goes wrong. Like people get hyped up. They have a little bit of money on the side. They get in a bull run, they get hyped up, they just buy and they say, they, they see their portfolio go jump and jump and yeah, jump and jump. It's euphoria. And they, it's and euphoria. It, it doesn't stop. And then when the bear cycle starts, it drops and they're like, yeah, but it's going to go up again. It is over the longer period. No, of but time. like, because, because even in a bull run, you have like. 20% ups and 20% down. So they're like, okay, it dropped 20%. It's going to drop 20% again. Then it drops another 20. Then it drops another 20. Then it drops another 20. And then the panic sets in because then they have to decide like, do I sell this for with 100% profit or do I keep it? And most people, most people are in the, I'm going to be a long time holder. But then you get again to not all cryptos are equal. If you want to be a crypto holder, 
You stick with Bitcoin and Ethereum. Stick with Bitcoin. Like you, Ethereum, but stick with Bitcoin. If you're going to be a holder, be a, be a Bitcoin holder. I, I agree yeah. with this actually. That's fair. That's fair, Gregory. It's fair. That's a very, very fair assessment. I see it as your college tuition money, which is ridiculous. No, absolutely. Not. <laughs> absolutely. Not. Yeah. The only thing you should do is don't go into depth for this. No, that's a, that's a terrible idea. That's, that's actually a terrible idea. So getting back to the point on, on, on where we are right now. Aside Goodbye from dollar cost. Or buy. Yeah. So aside from dollar cost average, because if your dollar cost averaging, this is great because you're like, Hey, I get to buy on the cheap this month. Even if it goes cheaper next month, it's like, Hey, I can buy even cheaper. What else can you do? If you don't have the funds to dollar cost average, educate yourself, study up, read, use the next six, 12 months just to understand how, as you said, understanding how money works is, is one fundamental part, right? Yeah. Stay, take a step back, but just educate yourself. I would say other than that, don't try to time anything. Don't try to do anything. If you're not sure, if you don't understand it, stay away from it. I think start a business, pretty, get some other income. Advice. Yeah, that's a very solid advice. And yes, those are rookie numbers. I think uh, you, you should experience if you are, you, yeah, Mitchell says it, experiencing 80% down, 85% down. We have, we have the experts joining into the chat today. No, I think, I think it's a really good time to start right now to, to learn, to teach on, on yourself, to teach yourself more about what the space is like. I think it's, this is the perfect time. If you, if you want to maximize your next bull run, this is the time to kind of get acquainted. And again, I keep saying earn crypto, earn crypto instead of, of instead of buying. So here's, here's one advice. And like, if you have time to spare, like if you really have time to spare, if you're just sitting and you're thinking, I'm wasting two hours a day doing nothing, it doesn't hurt to learn about faucet. It just doesn't hurt. You don't, you don't lose anything from that. It's, it's click money. And yes, I'm going to be completely honest. It's better to start a Fiverr account and rent out your time, then spend that time clicking on ads to get like small increments of Bitcoin. But if you're really lazy and you want to get into the crypto scene and you want to do nothing and get free crypto, look into faucets, look into airdrops, look into anything that there's so many people on the internet that want to give away stuff for free. Go get that free stuff. Get on Twitter. Get if you want that to, free stuff. There's if you want to learn about this space, get on Twitter. Every day you can get $5 worth of advice or even $5 in crypto just for showing up. And those $5 a day, they accumulate. They, they just accumulate. And, and the, the thing off as well is 
spending time in the space, you will learn to what you should avoid and what you shouldn't avoid. Oh my God, through you. Oh, this, this, yeah. Get yourself a ledger. Get yourself a ledger wallet as soon as you have over $500 worth of crypto. I, I don't think you're going to buy a ledger for $80 worth of Ethereum. But as soon as you have a sustainable amount of crypto, it's... Yeah, because a ledger in itself is like 100 to $150. Yeah, you're not going to spend $150 on a ledger when you have a portfolio of $80. You're not going to do that. But uh, It's like that meme, right? Your wallet is more expensive than the, <laughs> the paper in it. <laughs> I have that problem with... I really want to get an infinite object. So infinite object is like, it's like this really nice display in which you can put your NFT, but I don't have an NFT that's expensive enough <laughs> that, that fits in the display. So I'm, I'm going to have to wait for that for a couple of years before I'm No, you, you prepare for it. You project it. <laughs> yeah, of course you're gonna, you're gonna project it. But for now, I, I don't have the. I don't have the, the, that kind of quality yet. I have two or three that eventually could be worth that much, but they're, they're not at the moment. I think the okay. most expensive, I quickly do want to see what, what my most expensive sports NFT is. While you do that, yeah. uh, before we get into over under, you put into the title, buy or buy crypto, buy yeah. crypto or buy crypto. So. Yeah. What is it for you? For me, it's earn. I'm not, I'm, I might, I'm going to be completely honest. I might, if, if December comes around and I, and I have the ability to, to buy crypto, I will buy crypto. Yeah. I, I would put that, put it in that priority. If you have yeah. the income buy, but. But okay. I rather, I rather earn. It is here to stay. So no bye-bye, but the next step is definitely earn, try to find a job within the space because they, they need everything. If you're a marketer, yeah. a customer support, whatever it is, you can use that experience to learn. Just right click oh, and save the NFT. <laughs> my, 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 my most expensive sports NFT is a Tom Brady. Tom Brady, and it's, uh, it's, it's just a common moment. It's worth a little over $200, but it's a record-breaking moment. So yeah, you can right-click and save Mitchell, but I'm one of the official holders of that NFT. So yeah, I, I do quickly want to, even though it's live and nobody knows about Splinterlands, Splinterlands completely shifted up their, their, their reward system. And it's now really rewarding people that play a lot. Oh, so no, I'm not going back. <laughs> yeah, no, but, but I wanted to ask you that about God's on change. If, if they changed up the reward system as well to the, from the last I've seen, they haven't implemented the update yet. They were, st it was still in development on how that was going to go. I myself haven't played for about a month. I, I was just burned out with the competition, but they haven't that there was even an expansion and around the expansion itself kind of got burned out from playing, but they, they, that trajectory is still in development. The reason I still 
see a lot of value in Gods Unchained, it is because it's a game first and an NFT second. And that's the the approach Say what's that's good. lacking with all these token-based DAO games that are popping yeah. up. So so for, for me, Splinterlands now has come to the point that they changed the reward system completely in my favor. Nice. So they reward you for games one instead of having just a challenge that you have to complete by the day. So it's more skill-based. So it's more skill-based. I earn more rewards from it. I can play a season of two weeks. I can just play two days and I get twice the amount of rewards I would usually get. Yeah. And that's nice. So, so it really, it, it helps the, the renting, the renting has become a little bit more expensive because I do have to rent a lot. Yeah. But, it's getting more competitive, uh, right? So, but it's, it's much better for me. So I think, I think that's an advantage. And yeah. the question, do you still play? I think we've discussed this. We should definitely post more and write more content. Oh yeah, yeah. That, as soon as I'm back playing, I'll I'll be back on high for writing updates. But yeah, you, you... I do want to shout out Joel because I think Joel is on the verge of overpassing me on the high. In how do you call it? Sorry, reputation score. Oh, yeah, yeah. He he has been very very active. Joel is is getting to seventy reputation score on high, which is insane. Which is beautiful. For those of you who are not on Hive that are listening in, I would recommend you check out Hive, the Hive ecosystem. Hive. Yeah, that that can be your entry point. That that no barrier entry point. For me personally, the best low entry barrier point that you can get to get into crypto. It's a platform where you get or you earn by playing games, but you also earn by creating content. And you can create any kind of content, and you can get rewarded for that. And I mean, that's I. I can't honestly think of a better way to get into cryptocurrency than going on a social media plat- platform and instead of going on Facebook and getting into discussions with people, actually going on a platform, posting and engaging and getting rewarded for those engagements. Not just for what you post, but even for your comments, you can get rewarded. And once you get the hang of it and once you commit to the community, you will you will definitely see see benefit from from that because aside from earning you will learn learn a lot about the crypto space there as well so uh, i would definitely i I still recommend hive and there are still some things in the work for creating a second layer token on on hive for certain people to get more acquainted but that's a little bit on the download at the moment yeah, and Mint said it perfectly here. Gods and Change is the only fun game I found where users don't really care about the earn aspect. The game is just pure fun. I agree. Oh, uh, Michel, com- you're not playing Splinterlands. I'm so disappointed. <laughs> I'm so disappointed. I agree with Mitchell here. I have nothing to say about Splinterlands. And uh, he also made a comment here uh, reading Rich Dad Poor Dad was the start of his financial journey. Even that book is very controversial. And agreed, same with low barrier to entry. It's a nice way to dip your toes into that education, but deep this, is your... general, this is general advice. When I started my master's in Brussels, our professor, the first thing he told us was, 
I want you to do two things and two things only. One, I want you to read every day for an hour. Just read every day. And I understand that people are like, yeah, I'm not going to read. It's not going to work for me. Well, watch educational videos for one hour a day. I don't mind that. I don't mind if you want to switch away from the books and go to the videos. But make it educational videos instead of entertainment videos. Also yeah. do your entertainment part. I don't mind. I, I watch some entertainment as well. Not on a daily basis, but sometimes I do need it. But if you're saying like, okay, the book doesn't work for me, look at educational videos. So that's one step. And the second thing he, he advised, carry a booklet whether you, whatever you will, that you can write things down. Keep a pen and paper next to you and write everything down that comes up in your head. And I think these are like general advice, just like reading Rich Man, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, reading books. It's just general self-education, general self-personal development that helps you get better day by day. And I think that's, that's the main takeaway from, from this. Because, yeah, I'm upset with the current crypto prices. I really don't care that much. I'm not really either. <laughs> I, don't really I really don't care. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not in the crypto space to become a millionaire and show everybody that I'm a millionaire. I'm, I'm definitely not in that space for that. But if this is your first downturn, cherish the experience. Oh yes. Oh yes. In, in, 20, in 2026, you're going to be like, ah, I've been through this before. Yeah. Memories. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's usually only the bad things that makes amazing stories, right? If a great thing happens, it's like, oh, okay, achievement this, but it's the, the quote unquote bad experience when you look back like, oh, it wasn't that bad at all. And you can build a story around it. I do have one concern though. The cycles will repeat. But I'm not sure the all-time highs will be as progressive anymore as they have been. What do you mean it progressive? Like so, we went from a hundred dollars to a thousand, from a thousand to ten thousand, from ten thousand. We didn't reach. A lot of people were disappointed. That oh, you you mean the the multiple the multiplier? Yeah, yeah, the multiplier. Like, it, it's, it's gonna get less. It's it's slowing down. Yeah, and and. and there could be a reverse scenario where it actually gets less than the previous all-time high. So the, the, the cycle becomes, I'm not sure when that's going to happen, but it could be a situation where you actually have that the, the high of this cycle is lower than the high of the previous cycle. And I think that's something that it's not talked about enough that when that can arise or that, that can even happen. But I think there's a point where that might happen. I could be wrong. I, the scarcity could like tilt it over the moon, but there are definitely situations where it kind of, or I yeah, it doesn't multiply as much as it used to anymore. And you shouldn't care, I would say. Well, you're, you're going to care if you buy at an all-time high that it doesn't reach anymore. Yeah. But that's why you yeah. shouldn't care when you buy it at an all-time high. Which is very, very hard to do if you're just starting out. But uh, that's something you'll learn to master within yourself. So let's close off with the 
I guess two quick overrounders. Yeah. Go ahead. Why don't you kick it out? Kick us off. Hilarious. Yeah. What, what were you saying? I was saying honey, overrated or underrated? Honey is, is underrated and should stay underrated for a very long while because of the amount of uses it, it, it has. Can honey ex- expire? Does honey I'm, have an expiration? I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, I'm not the... It lasts very long. That, that's what I do know, but I'm not sure if it can expire. If you do know, uh, do tell me. I'm, I'm actually Googling it as we speak. Uh, but yeah. Honey will expire as if your honey has been contaminated by moisture. But actually, it, it can't actually, it can actually, if it's stored properly, it can never go bad. Okay. So yeah, for me, underrated. I, I love honey. Uh, if I can, I, I... We're talking for those who are really techy. We're talking about actual honey and not the browser app. But speaking of the browser app, I was just about <laughs> to mention that although I haven't used it ever, actually, it is installed in some instances. It does give me some deals every now and then. So even the browser app, I'd say is a bit underrated if you haven't heard of it. Yeah. If you're shopping. Do you have a referral link, honey? <laughs> no, no, no. Just, just look it up. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Okay, next one. Since you mentioned that, referral links or affiliate marketing. I really... Overrated, underrated. I really, in the next two months, want to get somebody on the show that does affiliate marketing. I have like, I have two limited experiences with, with affiliate marketing to know whether referral, referrals, their referral system is, is underrated or overrated. But I think just by the fact that I have so much limited knowledge, I think it's underrated. Okay. I do feel like there are people who've made a career and are still making a career of affiliate links, but I have to be honest that. I'm going to have to research that. And it's something that I would do want to research for my book. So I do want to look into. Get me one more. Headwear. Headwear? Yeah. Like wearing a cap. Oh, uh, for me, it's underrated. I like wearing caps or uh, certain caps, but I think it will differ from person to person. Do you feel there is still a prejudice towards people wearing caps? Was there ever a prejudice? Yeah, there is. There is a prejudice. There is a very big prejudice. Like, nah, not that I've experienced or like noticed. So hence my question. So it's, so that's, I think it's a dress code thing. Like, so that it would be and dress codes in general, like a, a, a brother. Yeah, but I feel like a cap is associated with a certain culture. And I wouldn't say the prejudice is as strong as the prejudice is towards tattoos. Mm-hmm. Which you can even make a case, yeah, but there's no prejudice towards tattoos anymore. Well, for our generation, maybe not. But in certain instances, there's still a prejudice towards people wearing tattoos. So I wonder if the same thing applies for people that wear a cap. It hasn't really flagged my observation, so 
I couldn't mm. really say. You're not conscious of it being. No. Okay. Interesting. So maybe it's a generational thing. <laughs> I, I think it, it's not just a generational thing. I think it's an environment thing. Like in certain environments, it's frowned upon in some others. It's not. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But obviously, well, I love wearing caps. Uh, just sometimes I just lazy to, you know, comb the hair or something and it's easy, simple look, but yeah. Okay. Last one for me, Rolex overrated or underrated like Rolex watches. Wow. Since we talked about investment, ending it on an investment note. This is a really hard one for me. See, I'm, I'm, the reason why I'm pondering about this one so much is I'm watching the NBA finals now mm -hmm. and like the landscape of advertising has changed. It's now the NBA finals sponsored by YouTube TV. Okay. The, the halftime show, the halftime show in the NBA finals on ESPN is being sponsored by Google Pixel. One of the sports sponsors of the European championships was TikTok. So it's really weird. Oh, no, no. The halftime show is actually might even sponsored by Meta Quest or Meta. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And a segment in that show is sponsored by Google Pixel. It's insane. It's, it's insane. It's, it's insane that the tech giants, YouTube TV, Meta, Meta, and Google Pixel are the ones sponsoring like the major, they are the getting the major exposure or the NBA finals. It's, it's insane. And then we just watched the French open where Rolex is still the official timekeeper of the French open. Mm -hmm. So that's like a major, like it, it gives the brand value still like a, a major. And, and here's the thing I think, and I watched it recently on a show, watches have a better rest value as an investment than purses, mm -hmm. for instance. So from that perspective, from an investment perspective, Rolex could be, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it because I don't, I'm not a watch kind of person, but I can imagine for people that it would have definitely would have value. But for you, it's overrated. I, I'm yeah. not saying it's overrated. I'm saying I don't invest in, I don't, I don't have those kind of investments. So that's what I'm saying. If you won't do it, it's overrated for you. For me personally, yes, but yeah. I, I wouldn't, first of all, the quality of a Rolex watch is really good. Like that's, that's one thing to take into consideration. And another thing is that watches in general, they, the value does go up over time in, in, in most cases. And you have to be careful with these kind of things, but this is interesting because thanks to NFTs, I understand general collecting a lot better now mm. because things get hyped. 
but in the end, it's about the actual value. And then you start when you have, because I have over <laughs> a dozen NFTs ranging from worth two cents to $200. But you start realizing that like some NFTs that are now worth $20 are going to be worth $1 in 20 years time because yeah. they have high value now. But in the larger scheme of things, they're actually worthless. They're like the packets of cards that I bought when I was a teenager in the US. And I have like 200, 300 basketball cards, of which most of them have like zero value. Like I could just throw them out because they're never going to have value. And some have $5 value and some have $10 value and some are worth more. How well you keep it up? Well, that makes it easier on, on the digital front because you could spill water over a collectible and it could lose its value. Whereas you don't have, or have less of an issue with that when it's digitally. But it does bring into perspective that a lot of things are really not worth that much. They have value to you, but they don't. And from that perspective, I think Rolex is underrated because that watch, it retains its value. All right. Yeah. So in general, underrated, but for you? For me personally, I'm not a watch kind yeah. of person, so I wouldn't buy a Rolex for an investment. I think it wouldn't make sense for me. Got it. All right. Guess so that's one more for, for, for both of us. Esports and in Suriname. Esports in general, I'd say over, uh, underrated. So in Suriname as well, I, yeah, period underrated. Yeah. No I explanation needed. Yeah. I don't think we found enough. I also wonder why there aren't more gamers. Surinamese gamers. I think it's still hitting me. You know, but internationally, hitting me in stage internationally. I think in the next 10 years, we will have a Surinamese YouTuber that has a million subscribers and has international fame. We're destined to hit that at some point. Agreed. Yeah. But for some reason, we haven't. We haven't had that lucky person yet that makes it that far. It's yeah, multiple factors, uh, the reach, etc. <laughs> yeah, better <laughs> internet, also a factor. But <laughs> we're working on that. I promise. We're we're working on that. Yeah, for for me now, the internet I have at home, it's pretty fine for most of the stuff. So that's yeah. not much of a argument anymore. Well, I do have to say, if, if you look at the numbers, I think one of the things that's insane in Suriname is that mobile internet speed is on average based on international data. The internet speed in Suriname on mobile is three times faster than the, the landlines. That's insane. Yeah. That's, that's just insane. And the funny thing is for the mobile data, you have to pay and for, so. So you can't use it unlimitedly or yeah, but it's actually, so in, in the latest report, beginning of the year, it was said that the average and don't quote me on this and people are going to get upset because they don't have that internet speed, but the average internet speed for a mobile phone in Suriname should be around 30 MPPS down 
and, and, and wireless landline, landlines are on 10 Mbps down. Sounds about right. Yeah. So that's, that's just, I think a very interesting thing that I would like to close it off with. All right. Thanks for sticking us with us to the end on Twitch, YouTube, and wherever. Facebook. Yeah. Facebook. This was all. We can't see the numbers on, on, oh, I missed out on LinkedIn. I actually didn't put LinkedIn in. Oh, my bad. Oh, did you forget to reconnect? That's probably. I know. I, I actually, I just forgot to put it in, but we don't get to see the numbers on Twitter. So that's, that's, that's funny. All right. But to close it off, thanks for tuning in. I will try to have this up on the website on the weekend, but depending on the schedule and everything, because I can't really edit much on this laptop, but I'll see what I can do. Otherwise I'll just upload a not processed version as the previous ones, but yeah. it's still workable. Okay. And I'm just happy to be back, even though my face, I haven't fully recovered, but I'm just happy to be back online. So thank you for joining in. This was Social Compost. Until next time. Bye. Next week. Same place, same time. Bye-bye.